Welcome to this special episode of the John Henry Weston Show, where we'll be discussing the coronavirus, or COVID-19, with one of the USA's foremost experts on China. You Wouldn't you want to verify that those viral videos of the Chinese people talking about the virus are actually accurate? Are those words that they're playing on the bottom of the screen actually what they're saying? Or is it just something used to instill panic? What's actually really going on in China with the virus? And what threats do we face from it in the West? You'll want to stay tuned. Steve Mosher, welcome to this episode of the John Henry Weston Show. It's good to be here, John Henry. Now, most of you will know Stephen Mosher as president of the Population Research Institute, the one who first alerted the world to the forced abortion practice in China. He's the author of Bully of Asia, Why China's Dream is the New Threat to World Order, and he's a former National Science Foundation fellow. He studied human biology at Stanford University, and he holds advanced degrees in biological oceanography, East Asian studies, and cultural anthropology. One of America's leading China watchers. He was selected in 1979 by the National Science Foundation to be the first U.S. social scientist to do, to do field research in China. So, Steve, we're really happy to be talking to you about this, and let's begin, as we always do, with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay, so first of all, tell us, what we know about the coronavirus is really scary. We hear, everybody hears that it's a deadly virus with no cure, no vaccine, but what really is the coronavirus? Uh, The coronavirus is called a coronavirus because it has crown-like extensions on the virus packet. Uh, The extensions are what enables it to attach itself to cell walls inside your body inject the RNA from the virus into the cell, take over the cell's reproductive machinery, and then produce hundreds of thousands of copies of itself, after which the cell is destroyed and those copies go on to infect other cells. That's how viruses work in general. Now, the strange thing about the coronavirus is that we have never seen it before. This is a unique organism. Uh, It bears some resemblance to viruses found in an animal called the pangolin, it bears some resemblances to viruses found in bats and, sna- and, and rats. But uh, again, it's unique, which raises questions about its origins. Right. Now, do we know how the virus is spread? Well, the virus is spread by, by three means, basically. It's spread by uh, touching a surface on which there are live viruses that have been left there by someone touching the surface who has the disease. It can be spread, of course, by coughing through the air if you're within a few feet of someone who has coronavirus. And it can also uh, be spread apparently by aerosol transmission, which is to say that tiny droplets of water in the air containing the virus packets can stay in the air for a while and infect people who walk by. I think that's the most uh, uh, worrying thing about the the infection uh, possibilities. But the problem is, John Henry, that the the Chinese government, which is, of course, run by the Chinese Communist Party, has been completely opaque about the coronavirus epidemic in China from the beginning. Uh, We believe that the first cases were discovered back in November. 
Uh, the Chinese government did not admit it had a problem until January 20th, by which time the virus uh, epidemic had already reached epidemic proportions in China. So basically, it did what the Chinese Communist Party always does. It lied, it cover up, it deceived its own people and the world about the dangerous epidemic that was raging inside of China, unnecessarily costing many, many lives in China and potentially many lives outside of China. So once again, right. this is, this is the Chinese Communist Party has over the years uh, succeeded in killing hundreds of millions of its own people in famines and political purges in the one child policy. But now it's found a new way, a novel way, one might say, after the novel coronavirus, a novel way to kill even more of the poor Chinese people who suffer under its misrule. Right. Now, so they've been hiding their numbers, lying about their numbers. Um, what are the actual numbers, A, that they're putting out there right now, and B, that you believe they would be based on what they're, what the numbers are more like actually like rather than what they're foisting, trying to foist on the public? Well, as I mentioned, the first deaths and the first infections were reported on January 20th, uh, just about a month ago. But in fact, we know that there was an emergency meeting of the Standing Committee of the Politburo, that is to say, President for Life Xi Jinping, who's the General Secretary of the Chinese Communist Party, and the other Politburo members, Standing Committee members who actually run China. We know there was an emergency meeting of the Politburo on, uh, back in early January. And we know even before that, uh, there were universities in Hong in uh, Shanghai, which is 200 miles east of Wuhan, the center of the epidemic. Universities in Shanghai, which were saying, uh, do not allow any strangers on campus because there is a new epidemic raging. So already by January 2nd, by January 3rd, we had evidence that there was a an epidemic of major proportions in China that it had already reached the city of Shanghai, 200 miles to the east, and the, the local units, uh, what we call in Chinese lo local institutions, uh, local factories, were already taking precautions against the spread of the disease. And yet, three more weeks went by before the Chinese government even admitted that it had a single death. So obviously, the numbers that they give us of roughly now 2,000 dead and 70,000 infected are a vast underestimate of the actual scale of the epidemic. Let's, let's say, uh, for purposes of discussion, that the epidemic really began not on January 20th, but on December 20th, a month before, but followed mm -hmm. the same pattern of expansion that we see in Wuhan from the official numbers. By now, if it had started in December 20th, which is very reasonable supposition, we would have seen a million and a half people infected in China and probably 30,000 deaths. Now, if it started before then and spread at the same rate, the numbers would be even larger. So I believe that the epidemic is many times worse uh, than it's being reported. I believe the Chinese Communist Party deliber deliberately covered up the epidemic for probably two months. And now the Chinese people oh. once again are paying the price uh, for the incompetence and sheer evil of the people who rule them. Unbelievable.
Unbelievable. Well, there's something very, uh, very interesting going on. Speaking on Fox News, Senator Tom Cotton, Republican from Arkansas, he raised the possibility that the virus had originated in a high security biomedical lab in Wuhan, the Chinese city that the center is the center of the outbreak. I want to talk about the biggest and the most important story in the world, the Wuhan coronavirus. This coronavirus is a catastrophe on the scale of Chernobyl for China. But actually, it's probably worse than Chernobyl, which was localized in its effect. The coronavirus could result in a global pandemic. While you were all sleeping overnight, the number of diagnosed cases in China increased by 30%. Now, let me be clear, that's not new cases, that is just newly admitted cases. It is probably several orders of magnitude higher than that. Also, while you're sleeping, China now has its entire border with Russia closed. 2,600 miles, Russia has closed that border. El Al has shut down travel between Israel and China. Air France has shut down China between travel between China and France. And that's in addition to all the other countries that have already shut down travel. From what we know so far, and there's still many unknowns, this virus could have both a long incubation period, as much as 14 days, and individuals could be contagious while asymptomatic, which was not the case with SARS in 2003. Furthermore, from some cases, it appears the virus could be aerosolized, which means it doesn't require the kind of contact that you have with, say, a married couple kissing each other or a family living in close quarters in a hotel or apartment, but rather the distances we are all sitting apart right now. Yet China is still lying about all of this. They've been lying about it from the very beginning, and you don't need their history of lying about SARS in 2003, though it is relevant here. You just have to see what's happened over the last two months. We now know that the first case manifested no later than, no later than December 1, even though China didn't reveal it to the WHO until a month later on December 31st, when they continued to hide it from their own citizens. And they continued to say that it had been contained inside Wuhan. Today, it is in every single province in China. They also claimed for almost two months until earlier this week that it had originated in a seafood market in Wuhan, that locals had contracted it from animals in, say, bat soup or snake tartare. That is not the case. The Lancet published a study last weekend demonstrating that of the original 40 cases, 14 of them had no contact with the seafood market, including patient zero. As one epidemiologist said, that virus went into the seafood market before it came out of the seafood market. We still don't know where it originated. Could have been another seafood market. Could have been a farm. Could have been a food processing company. I would note that China, or that Wuhan also has China's only biosafety level four super laboratory that works with the world's most deadly pathogens to include, yes, coronavirus. Do you think that this is a possibility or is it just some kind of conspiracy theory? No, I think that um, we, we, we can be fairly certain that the virus escaped from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which is located, of course, in the city of Wuhan, which is the epicenter of the epidemic. And I think we can be certain that it escaped from the lab for two reasons. Uh, the first reason is uh, China's 
bioweapons program uh, is an open secret uh, in the United States in intelligence circles. We know they're working on re-engineering, genetically re-engineering viruses and bacteria to make them more lethal and to be used as weapons of war. Uh, we know that because they've said that openly. They've written books. The former head of the National Defense University of the People's Liberation Army of China wrote a book in which he said the new high ground is the development of bioweapons that target specific ethnicities. All right. What specific hmm. ethnicities would be targeted? Well, we assume that they wouldn't be targeting um, people of Chinese extraction. They would be targeting uh, people from Africa, uh, uh, other Asian populations, and of course, people from Europe and, and, and North America. So that's one bit of evidence. Uh, we know hmm. that the only level four uh, biocontainment laboratory in China is located in Wuhan. We know that's where the most uh, advanced research is being done. We know that they have viruses they've collected from around the world, including uh, viruses they've secreted out of Canada. They stole from Canada and took to the Wuhan Institute of Virology last year. And finally, there's this. On February 14th, General Secretary Xi Jinping, who heads the Chinese Communist Party and is as close to an absolute dictator that we have seen in China since the days of Mao Zedong, held a meeting in which he said that lab biosafety should be treated as a national security issue. He hosted a meeting in February 14th saying that he spoke about the outbreak of the COVID-19, the novel coronavirus that we've been talking about, and he said the government must stop the epidemic and set up a system to prevent similar outbreaks in the future. Hmm. Now, if that wow. is not an admission, John Henry, that the coronavirus escaped from the Institute of Virology in Wuhan, uh, I don't know what is. And the very following day, the meeting was on February 14th, the following day, February 15th, the Ministry of Science and Technology of China rolled out new regulations which are called strengthening biosecurity management in microbiology labs that handle advanced viruses at the same level as the new coronavirus, all right? So I right. think that they've let the cat out of the bag. I think that they've revealed exactly uh, what happened, uh, that the virus escaped from the laboratory and infected large numbers of people. Uh, the Officials at all levels probably tried to cover up their crime, beginning with the people who work in the Institute of Virology themselves, and then moving to the city government of Wuhan, then the Hubei provincial government, and then to the national level. And the result of all these levels of cover-up has been a two-month delay in reporting the actual scope of the disease and continuing to lie about how it's spreading in China and what the mortality rate is. You see, the way to handle a potential epidemic like this is to identify the new virus threat as quickly as possible, track where it came from, how it spread, what the mortality rate is, and, and get a handle on how to contain it very, very quickly. In China, mm -hmm. they did exactly the opposite. They covered up its origins. They hid the spread of the disease. They, in fact, this is a man-made epidemic. This need never have happened. 
It is a result of the, the, the total incompetence of the labs in China and the sheer duplicity of the Chinese leadership in hiding this from the world. And by the way, John Henry, the World Health Organization has done us no favors because the World Health Organization, of course, which works for the United Nations, reports to the major countries on the National Security Council, including China. And I think the World Health Organization was anxious not to offend China. So even after the Chinese government admitted it had a problem, the World Health Organization delayed uh, calling for a quarantine of areas in China, delayed calling for a ban on direct flights to and from China, delayed telling us about the seriousness of the epidemic because they didn't want to upset uh, the leaders of the Chinese Communist Party. So they finally were able Two weeks into the ep epidemic, as reported by China, we're finally able to send a delegation to China that should have been on the ground again two and a half months ago. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Let's let's unpack some of that. I mean, there's lots that you've just said there. Um, so you you said there was evidence that uh, they stole um, uh, the virus from Canada. Um, wh where is that evidence? What is that evidence? Well, last um, uh, March, there were shipments of viruses intercepted by Canada Post that were sent, being sent from Canada to China. And mm -hmm. in June of last year, uh, two Chinese researchers were escorted out of, the, of Canada's only level four um, viral research laboratory. Uh, under guard by the R R Royal Canadian Mounted Police. And there is an ongoing investigation as to what they were doing in the Level 4 laboratory and about the shipment of these viruses uh, to China. Uh, the two mm -hmm. Chinese investigator, uh, in researchers who were arrested, by the way, had made multiple trips to, you guessed it, to Wuhan, mm -hmm. to the Institute of Virology there. So we know oh. that China has been collecting dangerous viruses, including coronaviruses, from different parts of the world in order to do research on them. We also know yeah. that, that they're trying an effort to develop, uh, they're making an effort to develop bioweapons. Now, I'm not saying that the coronavirus is, is a bioweapon. Bio the jury is still out mm -hmm. on that point. Whether or not it has been genetically engineered to make it more lethal is an open question. Mm -hmm. But the, the, the truth of the matter is that it's fairly clear, I would give you pretty good odds, that this coronavirus escaped from the Institute of Virology in Wuhan, which is located just a couple miles from the seafood market, which was blamed for as being the origin of the virus. Remember, mm -hmm. a few weeks ago, we were hearing about the seafood market in Wuhan City being the source yeah. of the virus. We were told that it came from live snakes that were being sold in the seafood market. Mm -hmm. It turns yeah. out, John Henry, snakes do not carry uh, any coronaviruses. Hmm. We were then told that it came from bats, uh, that, that uh, bat soup and other bat delicacies that were being sold in the seafood market in Wuhan was the source of the coronavirus. Well, Bats are in hibernation in November and December. Uh, bat soup is not sold at the seafood market. 
And genetic analysis shows that bats do not carry any coronavirus like the one that's causing the epidemic. So again, wow. we've seen a whole series of, of, uh, of excuses for the origin of the coronavirus when I think it's increasingly apparent that the coronavirus was being experimented on in the laboratory in Wuhan and escaped from the lab. Now, here's another little bit of evidence. Here's another data point. Some people may mm -hmm. remember in 2003, we had a SARS epidemic in China that spread oh, yeah. to other countries around the world. SARS yeah. stands for sudden um, uh, extreme respiratory syndrome. It killed mm -hmm. uh, less than a thousand people in China, but you know it, it, it was uh, very dangerous. It killed 10% of the people that it infected. Wow. There was a laboratory in Beijing, which twice in 2004, the year after the epidemic, while doing research on the SARS virus, knowing how dangerous it was, let it escape from the lab twice, causing additional deaths and infections. So we know that laboratory oh. protocol in China has been very lax in the past. We know that viruses, yeah. lethal viruses, have escaped from labs in the past, so they have a history of careless handling of these things. And finally, there's this. We also know that a number of researchers in China have been charged with the crime of selling research animals on the open market. That is to say, you take a cow or a pig or a chicken or a bat or a snake or whatever animal or a rat or a monkey that you're experimenting on that you're injecting viruses into to see how their systems respond. And once you're done experimenting on the animal, you then take the animal to earn extra money you sell it oh. on the local live animal market. You're supposed to. Oh. You're supposed to cremate it, right? Because it may carry uh, yeah. the dangerous viruses that you've been experimenting upon. But that doesn't always happen in China. What sometimes happens in China is these experimental animals, which are purchased with research funds from the central government, are taken if they're still alive and sold to a butcher at the live animal market, and uh, and sold as an exotic food in China for a great deal of money. <coughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Whoa. What, uh, what do you think we can expect to see on this? And what do you think we can do, if anything, uh, to, to help stop this or, or, or stop it in the future? Well, I, I think there are several things we can do, and, and, and the good news is that we have in place uh, in North America and now in Europe, we have fairly strict uh, quarantine protocols in place. We're improving our testing methods for uh, testing for the coronavirus uh, infections uh, almost on a daily basis, and I think we're going to be able to, to contain the spread of the disease here. I do not think mm -hmm. that we need to be worried about a coronavirus epidemic in North America. Uh, we are working uh, as fast as we can to develop a way of, of, of uh, immunizing people against the new coronavirus. Uh, that research takes some time, of course. It's not something you can do overnight. In order to you know, develop a vaccine, uh, you have to, first of all, I identify something on the coronavirus that you can attach 
to um, what you inject into the human body to generate um, an antibody to the to the pathogen, and this takes time. I mean, we can we can we can start testing the vaccine within six months. We will probably have a vaccine within a year. So if we can keep the coronavirus from reaching from becoming serious in the United States until the end of the year, like other viruses, we will have the ability to immunize people against it. And I would say this: uh, whereas the SARS virus had a uh, morbidity rate uh, of 10 percent, that is one in 10 people who contracted the SARS virus died. The mortality rate of the coronavirus seems to be around 2 percent. We would know more mm. precisely if the Chinese government would simply stop deceiving us about about the numbers. But uh, right. so it's less lethal than the SARS virus. We're quarantining it. But we have to uh, understand that there are many dimensions uh, to the China threat. Uh, we have heard a lot recently about the military threat from China, which is real. We've heard a lot recently about the economic threat from China, uh, which is real. Uh, the mm -hmm. undervaluing of Chinese products, currency manipulation, and all the rest. But there is a new threat from China, and it's twofold. It's a health threat. The first part of the health threat is that many of the medications that we consume in North America are made now in China because a Chinese mm. consortium of drug manufacturers has driven North American manufacturers out of business uh, in the early uh -huh. 2000s and now have a virtual monopoly on many of the common generic medications uh, that we use in the United States. That's a vulnerability. Many of those factories mm. are located in Wuhan City. Many of them are located wow. in Hubei province. If China shuts down Hubei for another month or two, we're going to start running short on vital medications that many Americans need to stay alive. That's part right. one. Part two is we now see a more general health threat from China. We see that these dangerous pathogens uh, seem to emanate from China, seem to come from China on a regular basis, uh, mm -hmm. not only because they're violating the biological weapons protocol that they signed in 1972. Uh, and are developing bioweapons, but also because they are so careless in their handling of lab animals and handling of live viruses. So we have to distance ourselves. We cannot be dependent upon uh, Chinese medications, medications produced in China for to maintain our own health. And we have to be very careful about uh, new viruses that might come from China in the future. So mm -hmm. China is really under the misrule of the Chinese Communist Party. China is a threat. Uh, across all domains, uh, the right. military, the economic, the trade, and now and now the health domain. Unbelievable. What what can people do other than pray? I know a lot of uh, viewers are going to be praying for the Chinese people um, and and for an end to this horrific communist government there. But what is there a political solution? Is there any kind of solution to the problem that is China today with the Communist Party? Well, the people of China have seen again and again uh, how they've been brutalized uh, by the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, I refer to the Chinese Communist Party accurately, I think, as the biggest killing machine in human history. If you think about the 45 million people who died in the Great Famine of the early 1960s caused by the Chinese Communist Party, caused by 
Chairman Mao's failed experiment in, in communization of agriculture. Mm -hmm. If you think about the political yeah. purges of the 1950s and 60s and 70s, if you think about the long-running one-child policy, which killed hundreds of millions of unborn children, you total that up and the death toll from the Chinese Communist Party is probably around 500 million people. Uh, that's just a number, but we're now seeing uh, thousands of people, maybe tens of thousands of people added to that number right now in Wuhan and in other parts of China. Right now in China, we have not just Hubei province with its 60 million people. We have Jiangxi province and we have uh, Heilongjiang province in the far north up in Manchuria, also quarantined. That's 170 million people, John Henry. We have four cities oh. quarantined, major cities, and we have about 26 minor cities quarantined. That's another 110 million people. So we have right oh. now under quarantine in China uh, with rail traffic and road traffic basically at a standstill, we have almost 25% of the Chinese population under quarantine from an epidemic that should never have happened in the first place. That's, that's equal to the population of the United States or thereabouts. We need to, to be praying for the people of China. We know that, we know that Catholics and Christians have always gone above, above and beyond the call of duty in, in mm -hmm. situations like this. I'm sure that our brothers and sisters in Christ are doing all they can to help the, the sick and the dying, which we see from uh, YouTube videos. There, there are dead bodies laying on the streets of the city of Wuhan. There are corpses lined up in the hallways of, of hospitals, waited to be loaded into hearses, to be taken to crematoria, to be, to be, to be cremated as quickly as possible. Uh, we know the ovens are going day and night to cremate the bodies of those who died from this. But we also know that, that our Christian brothers and sisters are doing all they can to help the sick and dying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There was one video I saw that was going viral of, of people. Uh, it looked like people were shooting, um, officials were shooting people in the streets. Any idea what that is? And if that was connected at all to, to coronavirus? Uh, China has a great wall around its internet. And so, you know, not every video shot in China makes it out of the country. And so it's mm -hmm. sometimes hard to say, you know, when the videos were shot and, and, okay. and, and, and what's actually happening in the videos. Um, I saw the same video. I'm, I'm following everything I can get my hands on out of China as closely as possible. I've seen many heartrending videos of people being... Um, brutally arrested and beaten by the police for going out on the street without a mask on their face. Uh, hmm. I've seen other videos of police going to the doors of people who have the coronavirus and taking them by force into uh, what are called uh, quarantine centers, but are really detention centers, are really hmm. concentration camps to hold those people who are sick with the dying and, and isolate them from the larger population. And make no mistake about what the priorities of the government are here. We know what the priorities of the government are here because they've said openly what they are. The priorities of the Chinese Communist Party, according to the director of the National Health Service, are number one, politics, uh, number two, safety, and number three, a cure. 
In other words, we have to politically protect the image of the Chinese Communist Party and prevent the epidemic from creating uh, a counter-revolution against communist rule. So politics is in command. Number two, safety. Safety means arresting anyone who has the coronavirus and putting them in a detention center to, to separate them from the rest of the population. So it's a forced quarantine, not the kind of quarantine we have here where you, where you get to go outside and, and you're just told to stay, you know, 10 feet away from your neighbor to avoid infecting them. The quarantine there, they're putting them in, putting them in buildings with bars on the windows and police outside. And very little in the way of medical care. Cure comes third. The people who are being put into these detention centers are basically being, being abandoned. Uh, the Chinese government calls them hospitals. A hospital, John Henry, has medical workers and it has medical supplies. These detention centers have virtually none of either. There are places where you send people where they either get well on their own or they die. Uh, but they're isolated from the larger population. So this is a kind of brutal triage system where the infected are simply taken away, put in detention centers, and left uh, uh, to have their own immune systems handle the disease. But if you've seen pictures of the detention centers, the beds are only three feet apart, four feet apart. And what that means is that you may go into the detention center with a mild case of coronavirus, and can be reinfected by a person in the bed next to you, or maybe someone down the, down the row has another infectious disease that you get a bacterial pneumonia on top of your viral pneumonia and you die from a secondary infection. So these are places wow. that are very, very dangerous in terms of, of, of the mortality rates, I'm afraid, in these places is going to be very, very high. But remember, politics first, safety of the larger population second, and, and maybe we'll find a cure at some point, but in the meantime, we're going to simply deal with those who have the infection by cutting them off, by amputating them from the body politic altogether. Wow. One of the most interesting things about speaking with you, Stephen, is that you understand so many of the Chinese languages. You're able to watch the videos in their original without needing to see the text underneath. Not only do you know they're accurate, what is the message that the Chinese themselves are trying to convey to the rest of the world? Well, I've, I've, I've seen uh, many videos out of China that were recorded by journalists um, in the early days of the epidemic. Uh, those journalists have now all disappeared. They've been arrested and they're being held somewhere in prison. Uh, maybe they're being put in a detention center th so they can be infected and die as well. Who knows? Uh, but occasionally people do record uh, interviews uh, there was one I saw heartbreaking uh, video that came out uh, just recently of a young woman who had lost her family to the epidemic, the father, mother, and siblings, and was now alone in the world and was crying out to the Chinese people and crying out to the world about uh, how the Chinese Communist Party was once again destroying the Chinese people. She was calling for independence for China. She was calling for independence for Hong Kong. She was calling for independence for Taiwan, independence for Tibet. And she was saying at the end, she said, I know that I know that my life is now forfeit because I've made this recording. But every revolution requires sacrifice, and I'm willing to sacrifice my life so that we can end uh, the rule of the Chinese Communist Party in China. 
She may already be dead, John Henry. Right, right. Unbelievable. Well, any closing words for us, Stephen, uh, for all of us who are listening and uh, really praying uh, for the Chinese people for an end to this criminal communist government? The, the Chinese people are, of course, the first and foremost victims of the atheistic communist regime that has ruled China uh, for the last 70 years. But we know that every dynasty in China has fallen sooner or later. And the coronavirus epidemic may provide the impetus for the collapse of this regime as well. If you look not just at the epidemic, but at the pressure that the West is now beginning to put on China because of its cheating on trade, if you look at the, the other uh, problems that China has uh, in Hong Kong, the continued independence of Taiwan as a beacon of freedom for the Chinese people, a beacon of hope for them to think that they too might one day be free. All of these things are coming together and, and, and we can pray that this is the, the, the perfect storm uh, that by God's grace will lead to the end of communist rule in China and a new dawn of freedom and religious freedom for the Chinese people. Amen. Amen. Stephen Mosher, thank you so much for being with us on this episode of the John Henry Weston Show. May God bless you. Thank you, John Henry. God bless you. And God bless all of you too. We'll see you next time.